Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. Those of you who've been around White's Chapel for a while, you know that, uh, you know that October is actually kind of, it's kind of like stewardship month around here. It's, it's typically the time of the year whenever we talk about uh, the need for us to support the, the church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, our witness, and, and that's all, that stuff is all still really, really important. But, but this year we felt led to, to do something a little different. This year we felt led to talk about um, a different type of, of stewardship, but it's a, it's a type of stewardship that's, that's just as important as all that, that other stuff. You see, this year we felt we felt led to talk about our blueprint, the, the church that we've been, the church that, that we are, the church that, that we're being called to be. You see, this year, we're, we're going to be talking about what it looks like, what it means for us to steward the actual church itself, our work, our, our witness, our, our legacy, all of those traditions that, that we talk about meeting today. and. And it got me to thinking, it got me to, to, to thinking about the, the legacy, it got me to thinking about the blueprint of my, my own family. Because truth be told, when you look at my family, we're not one of those special family trees. Like, we're not one of those special, special family trees in the, in the grand forest of humanity. I mean, I know that here, right here in our own church, I know that we have folks whose ancestors are like these, these really acclaimed artists. And I know that in our congregation, we have folks whose ancestors were, were valiant war heroes and signers of the Declaration of Independence. I know that we have at least one family here who can, who can trace their ancestry back to a family that came over on the Mayflower. My family, we're not like that. Um, uh, in, in fact, here, let me show you a picture. I want to show you a picture of my most famous relative, my most famous ancestor. There she is. Um, she's a looker, isn't she? Um, her, name, her name was Bonnie. But this, this is not a picture that I grew up with. This is not a picture that we were really too proud of in the Renner, in the, in the Renner family. Uh, we didn't grow up with this picture on the walls. It wasn't on our mantle because Bonnie's last name just happened to be Parker. Bonnie Parker, the Bonnie of Bonnie and Clyde. Um, she just happens to be a, a distant cousin of mine, which kind of explains some people at the 930 service. Um, <laughs> But, but it, it just goes to prove that for better or for worse, we are all stewards. We are all heirs of a legacy. And the same has to be said of our faith. And the same has to be said for our church. We are all heirs. We are all stewards. We are all benefactors of a legacy. We are here because of all of those who came before. They're their courage, their vision, their faith, their sacrifice. We are their heirs, and, and, and it's not just them. We aren't the heirs of just of, of one legacy. We aren't the heirs of just one tradition. Here at this church, we are, we are heirs of no fewer than three traditions. First and foremost, we are heirs of the apostolic tradition, the, the apostolic tradition that tells us what it is that we believe. In this church, we're also heirs of the Wesleyan tradition that kind of tells us who we are, it tells us how we behave, that we are a people of grace who are going out in pursuit of holiness. And at this church, we're also heirs, we're heirs of that pioneering tradition, the, the tradition, the, the legacy of our founders who, who came in, and, and it, tells us, it tells us why we began. 
Because friends, that why, why we began, that why, for, for over 151 years, that why has not changed. We are here to reach this community. Our why hasn't changed. We are here to make more deeply committed followers of the way of Jesus Christ. That's our vision. That's our mission. That's our why. And, and I love uh, I love the scripture that we're going to, about to read because in it we get this, this really profound, we get this really beautiful picture of that sort of legacy. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. Now we're going to be in the book of 2 Kings this morning. So open up your Bibles if you have them. Maybe you have a Bible app on a cell phone. Hopefully by now we've all downloaded the WC Life app. Go ahead and turn it on. Uh, again, like Pastor John said, we're going to be in the book of, of 2 Kings this morning. 2 Kings chapter 2 this morning, picking up our reading with verse 9. And this is what we read. It says, when they had crossed the Jordan, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I may do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, please, let let me inherit a double share of your spirit. And he responded, you have asked a hard thing, yet, yet if you see me taken as I'm taken from you, it will be granted you. But if not, it will not. And as they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and, and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah ascended and a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could see him no longer, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in pieces. Elisha grieved. But then he went and he picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. And he went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle that, that, that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water saying, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water parted to the one side and to the other. And Elisha went over. And Elisha went to work. Where is the Lord. Where is the Lord, the the God of Elijah? Where is that God? Where is that God who parted the waters here for the fourth time in the Old Testament? Where's that God? Maybe the God of David. Where's the God of David who felled the giants? Or or the God of Joshua who, who, who humbled the proud walls of Jericho? Where's that God? Where's that God of miracles and might? Where is the Lord? That's, that's still our question today. And the answer, the answer like it's always been, is right here. God is right here. His power is right here. It is with us and in us and for us. The power of God, that, that power of God, it's right here where it's always been with God's people. It's, it's our birthright. It's our spiritual heritage. But I have to wonder how many of us, like Esau, how many of us have, have sold that birthright off cheap? We, we stewards of the faith, we stewards of, of the church. And I love this scene. I love this scene, the, the mantle. Uh, the, the mantle, the, the, the symbol of the prophet's call and office and authority, the mantle being passed from one generation to the next, from Elijah to Elisha. But it's that question, it's, it's that request that gets me every time. Elijah asking, what, what can I do? What, 
what can I give you? And Elisha responding, Elisha responding, not, not for fame, not for fortune, not, for, not even for a life of ease. Elisha doesn't ask for a life that's free of, of pain or fear. Instead, Elisha, ask, Elisha asks for power, for power, for, for the power to, to fulfill his call faithfully, for the power to do his job well. He, he asks for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And something struck me this week. I, I thought about something that I'd never thought about before. And maybe, maybe it was the prodigal series from, from, from last month. Maybe that primed the pump. But it got me to thinking, who else, who else back in this day and time, who else received a double portion? It was always the, the eldest son, right? The eldest son of a family. It was always the, the eldest son, the, the oldest son who received a double portion of the inheritance. He received twice as much as all of his brothers. But here's the thing, the, the double portion, the double portion wasn't just about, uh, about receiving twice the inheritance, it was also about, it was just as much about assuming twice the responsibility. And Elisha knew that. And yet still, he asked for it anyway. And so I guess, I guess my question for us this morning is, will we? Well, we, we, we benefactors, we heirs to this profound legacy, will we own the responsibility, will we own our responsibility in making sure that this powerful, this power-filled tradition, will we make sure that, and own our responsibility to make sure that, that this tradition comes alive today? Todd, thank you so much for bringing that passage so alive for us. And I love that question. Well, we own our responsibility for keeping that tradition alive today because that's really our question. That's our challenge. And so we ask, how do we do that? And I submit to us, we find our answer back in Elisha. Back in this text, we learn some things from Elisha that can guide us as we seek to do that. So I want us to do that. <clears throat> Let's look back at our scripture. Notice two things about Elisha. First, just notice his grittiness, his courage, his gumption. Can you imagine kind of this minor prophet? Here's Elijah, the great prophet, about to be ascended into heaven. And when he asks him, what do you want? He dares to ask this question. I think I would like to inherit a double share of your spirit. That was gutsy. That was a little audacious. But I think God recognized his spunky spirit and it's part of the reason he was the one chosen to carry on Elijah's ministry. And I want us to know that spirit is part of who we are as Wise Chapel. Those pioneers who founded this church back in 1871 came from Rising Fawn, Georgia. And it's an amazing story that how, how they crossed the, the, the continent and they brought the faith to this place we truly are stewards of a great legacy. In fact, Todd and I got to see that last year. Our road trip, we went back to Rising Fawn, Georgia and came all the way to South Lake. And it's amazing that journey. We got lost several times as I know it had to be difficult for them. And then they arrived here on the great Texas prairie and it had to be a shock to their systems, the weather, the heat, the drought, Trying to farm here had to be very difficult. And in the midst of the struggle of life, at the heart of their lives was their faith. 
they immediately planted a church. They started a church. The church was the best of who they are and captured their hopes and their dreams. And in those early years, you remember our history, twice their sanctuary was destroyed. The remnants that we, we call Walton Chapel, once by wind, once by fire. And every time instantly they took their meager resources and they rebuilt the church the best that they could. We look back at those ancestors, the Austins and the Blevins, and we see their spirit. <clears throat> what they brought to this place was God and guts and gumption. And that's the spirit of Weiss Chapel. Can you imagine what it was like? For most of its history, this was the little church on a charge, which meant it shared a preacher with a bigger church. And the pastor would come out part-time to preach here. And there were difficult moments in its history. Can you imagine is this little bitty church surviving world wars and the Great Depression? There were moments that Weiss Chapel got down to just a handful of members. And church experts said, there's no way this church can make it. It's going to close. And yet they tapped into their heritage of God and guts and gumption. And they just didn't quit. They held on. In fact, I was thinking if we went back and got a conference journal from 1950 and we went and looked at all the churches in the Central Texas Annual Conference and we were to select from that list which church 70 years later would be one of the top five largest, most influential Methodist churches in the nation, nobody would have picked White Chapel. It would have been the most unlikely of, of ideas to even consider. And yet what was here? A spirit of God and guts and gumption that just made this church refuse to quit, refuse to quit trying to believe in the future. And that's been my story when, when I got here for 30 years and taught for 20 years. I can't tell you how many times through those years we've come up to difficult moments or we didn't know what to do. And the ways seemed unclear of how we should go and we didn't have the resources that we needed and all we had was the spirit of this place of focusing on what we did have, God and guts and gumption. And so we dreamed and we had ideas and we just imagined what God would do through us through these tough years. And I will tell you, I have, Todd has stories about your 20 years and my 30 years. We, could, we just love to laugh because we look back at the toughest moments. Those moments are dear to us now. We look back at all the capital campaigns and all of the, the dinners in the trailers and all of those, all of those moments that we, we, we didn't have enough classroom space. And so we would put a class in every closet, nook and cranny that we could find. All of those moments that we had Easter in a tent and a youth group in a barn. And when we were building this sanctuary, you remember 9-11 happened? Prices escalate, and we couldn't have afforded to finish this place. But all we had was that legacy, that tradition of God and guts and gumption. And we tapped into that, and God led us through those times. And it's not just in our history. Think back a couple of years ago. Weiss Chapel was about to celebrate our 150th anniversary. We had big plans. We were about to launch a new era of ministry. And then COVID happened and quarantine happened and everything was off and we wondered how could we survive it? 
How could we make it through it? What would the church look like during that time? And all we could do was to do the very best we could to be creative, to minister not only to this congregation, but to this community. And so you remember what we all did together. Remember, not, remember our drive-through Wednesday night dinners. Remember that crazy Monday night live. And we tried to do online ministry the best that we could, and we transitioned, trying to figure out every idea we could think of, how do we keep the ministry alive? And what is remarkable now as we look back was the faithfulness of this congregation. Through those toughest times, we did not lay off not one staff member. We did not cut, not one ministry. In fact, we added and we grew because of your faithfulness, because we tapped into who we are. We tapped into our legacy of God and guts and gumption. And we could see that those days actually made us stronger. And now we stand at a watershed moment for our church and we're daring to dream of a new expression of Methodism a new way to keep the faith alive with bold mission, new ways of encountering our community and ministering to people, new ways of being connection with other Christians. And we have a bold blueprint for the future, but how do we get there? I submit to you, it will take the grittiness of Elisha, of saying, Lord, we need a double share of your spirit. Because when you head into the unknown, when you're inventing something new, it's scary. It's a little unsettling for us, but how do we get there? We tap into this rich tradition and legacy that is ours, and we focus on God and guts and gumption. The second thing we learn from Elisha, and that is he never forgot his experience of the glory of God. This is one of the most dramatic moments in all of Scripture. Can you imagine what's happened? Elijah is being whisked up to heaven, and Elisha gets to see it, this chariot of fire and horses that come, and Elijah ascends in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he sees this scene, Elijah the prophet whisked straight up to heaven. And then he's sitting there looking at the sky and the spirit of Elijah falls upon him and he's overwhelmed and he tears his clothes in two and that spirit will become the defining moment of his life, that moment of worship where he encountered the glory of God. And I submit to you the same thing happens to us. Everything that we're about flows from our time of worship where together we experience the glory of God. Everything we're about, every act of kindness, every act of service, the thousands of things that we do in ministry flow from our experience of the glory of God because it's not what we do, it's about what God is doing. It's not about our power, but it's about the power of God that uses us as a conduit and when we focus on the, the glory of God and know that's our strength, you and I face times of trouble and uncertainty, even impossibilities, and we take a deep breath, and what do we know? That God's big enough, because it's not our might or our wisdom, it's His. Like Elijah, we go forward because we have experienced together the glory of God.
There's an old story I've shared with us through the years, but it just speaks to me, and, and I want to share it particularly for our students this morning. There was a little boy who got a sandbox. He was all excited. His daddy put that thing up, and he was out there, and he had a pail, and he had a shovel, and he had little cars, and he was making roads and building houses, having the best time. Well, he kept digging in the sand, and he discovered a big rock. And he didn't want that rock in his sandbox. So he dug around, and he thought, I'm going to get this out of here. So he dug around, and he tried to pull it out, and he tried to push it out, and he tried to roll it out, but he couldn't move the rock. It was too big for him. And he worked, and he worked, and he worked, and finally he got so frustrated that he started crying. What he didn't know was the whole time his dad had been watching from a window in the den. And as soon as he got so frustrated, he started crying a shadow formed over him, and it was his dad. And his dad spoke lovingly, gently, and said, son, why didn't you use all the strength you had? And the little boy said, daddy, I did. I tried as hard as I could. I used every bit of strength I had. I can't move this rock. And his father said, no, son, you didn't. You didn't ask me to help. And then he reached down and picked up the rock and removed it from the sandbox. That's our story. Because you and I have struggles. We have issues that we can't deal with. They are too big for us. And in those moments, we go and we ask our Heavenly Father for help. That's why if we're going to live in the spirit of Elisha, always we are people who pray. And we reach out to God and know that when we do something big for God, God is the one who will make it happen. God is the one who opens doors. God is the one who softens hearts to get people to imagine things that they never imagined. So when we're up against it and we face a trial, we start with prayer. We say, Lord, help me with these rocks. I have a burden I can't deal with. I can't move this on my own. And then we listen to what God has to say to us. And how do we listen collectively as the body of Christ? We do it in worship. When we gather together to sing and to hear beautiful music and to hear the word of God proclaimed and to meditate on the word and to share in the sacrament of Holy Communion, we are here because we stand in the footsteps of Elisha and the apostles and those early Methodist pioneers because together as the body of Christ, we need to experience the glory of God that sends us out to be about God's business. Remember the name of Bum Phillips? I know some my age will remember Bum was a legendary Texas football coach. Coached in high school, college, coached the Houston Oilers. His last job was coaching the New Orleans Saints. He was a character, very colorful man, full of witty sayings. And his son, Wade, was an NFL coach, wrote a book about his daddy and about lessons he learned from him. One of the stories he told is one of my favorites. When Bum Phillips retired from the New Orleans Saints, the family had a big get-together at their ranch out of San Antonio. And they all got together, and they were celebrating, helping their dad adjust to life after football. And as they were having their time together, his daughter said, Daddy, why don't we take some of the game films of the Houston Oilers, and let's watch that. And I love his answer. He said, honey, no, I don't want to do that. 
We've already done that. I'm looking forward. My friends, that ought to be our spirit. We're not here just to look back at what God has done and our history and, and to remember. We need to look forward. We need to ask the question, what kind of church are we building for these young people, for our children and our grandchildren? We need to be asking, what kind of church will Weiss Chapel be for its 200th anniversary in 2071 when this church gathers to celebrate its 200th anniversary? Now, we need to be honest with you, I will be in heaven at that time. And Pastor Todd will be 93 years old. But Pastor Todd, I hope you remember us on that anniversary. Because on that day, those who gather will look back at this time, this hour, and they will say, how did they do that? How did they move through those challenging times? How did they weather those storms? And I hope and I pray it can be said of us. We tapped into the tradition. We stewarded it well. And when challenges came, we remembered the roots of who we are and we responded with God and guts and gumption and everything that happened, everything that we're about, everything that guided us flew, was, was coming from and followed our times together of worship when we experienced the glory of God. I pray in 2071. That's what they will say of us. May we pray. Lord, we thank you that we are heirs of a great tradition. You've called us to follow you. You've called us to keep alive and steward this tradition that we have been given from Elisha, from the apostles, from the Methodist pioneers that brought this faith to us. We are so thankful for their example. But Lord, we ask the question, how do we take responsibility to pass on the tradition that we have been given? How do we bless our world with your love and with your presence? How can we be your shining light? So come to us, Lord, and speak to us and guide us and help us prepare a blueprint for the future, a blueprint that will honor you, that will bless you, and will continue to share your word with our world. So come to us, Lord, and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.